0: Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Lots going on now. It's February, which means um, we're in the middle of triathlon season. It's the end of February, Gerald. Sorry, it's the end of February. What do you mean? It's February 27th. Is there not 31 <laughs> days in February? <laughs> it's over tomorrow is the last day. <laughs> it's early. Yeah. So anyways, man, tons going on. Tons happened last weekend. Um, Super League, which was big. Jack was in it. Jack, let's get a rundown of what happened there. Yeah, man, it was
1: it was pretty fun, dude. I'm not gonna lie. That format is nuts. And yeah it was cool I I enjoyed like being at a really for one thing it's just nice to be like oh you're doing your race and everything occurs within 50 meters like you're not doing all this bullshit transition stuff and like (laughs) bullshit it's just nice so I just my swimming's been terrible lately and that showed um so unfortunately I was I had my work cut out for me there and I, uh, I had a good bike and then a pretty good run, but I think I over biked a little bit on the first, uh, round. So I was like one second out of an auto qualification spot to start the second round. Um, but then yeah, just like there's two rounds. Oh, so like at the end of the second round is what matters. So at the end of the second round, like the second swim, I swam pretty similar to my first, so not bad, well, bad, but not worse um and then on the bike I just had nothing I was like I just overbiked the first time so I didn't really make up time on the second bike um and then on the run I I actually made up a little bit on the run basically in the last 200 meters but I was like nine seconds behind fifth so I was sixth and I ended up missing by nine seconds so that was that but really is the swim like my swim's just been terrible and so I kind of use that as like a realization of like something's way off with my stroke um so we got some video on a swim yesterday actually on the way home because we had to stop because like traveling with my sister and her son who's one year old you, you can't just drive seven hours straight so we're like oh we'll stop here we'll do a swim you guys can you know just have fun and do whatever one-year-olds like to do and got a ton of video sent it to my buddy mark dubrick rts guy who's a freaking swimmer and Uh, he saw what I saw, I I wanted to hear his opinion, and he's like, yeah, you got to finish your stroke more, you're just cutting it off way too early, and not only that, but I was pulling my arm forward so early that I was actually, like, pulling forward in the water still, and creating more drag, Um, so it was just, like, this really inefficient part of my stroke, and yeah, I worked on a lot today, and I feel like it's going to be a big positive change, so hopefully this, I think doing this race was like this realization of I'm swimming 228. There's guys swimming 205. Like, obviously, I don't expect ever to be there. But when all the guys are swimming like 215, there's something's missing that's major here. I'm not that, like, I'm not out of shape. I'm not weak. Like, my upper body's not weak or anything. There's something wrong with my stroke. So I think it's really catalyzed like a big change that'll hopefully be super positive. I agree. I love it. And, yeah, Super League was cool. Dami got third, which was six. He's from Guelph. <clears throat> he had a great day. Lionel was sixth, which was cool to see because long course guys can compete. I mean, I think some good long course guys would do well there, like who are good swimmers. Wait, uh, Lionel
0: did the race?
1: Yeah, I know. I don't think they mentioned it much. but <laughs> But I would love to do a Super League with, like, peak – or like not even peak, but just like full 70.3 fitness. Cause I just haven't really gotten fully into shape yet. And I just the threshold, like I kind of trained it as if it's like this super high end thing, but really it's about your threshold and you're not going that much above threshold. Like it's, it's kind of like a maybe 105% threshold type effort. So right now my threshold is just not quite as high as what it will be in the peak season. And that's what kind of ended up being my downfall along with sucking at swimming. So, um, but still, I mean, to be nine seconds out of qualifying for a final against short course guys when it's like, obviously not my best fitness for the year. I thought it was pretty good.
2: Yeah. There was a lot of drama they put together before that. I mean, it was basically the Lionel race, uh, all the marketing and media. And then we saw Suman have a bit of a breakdown uh, after a hard last year. So some good drama out of that race. And, And just for a little tidbit, um, you know, since I still have some good ties with Super League and um, the CEO and stuff, we're going to have a meeting to see if one day RTS could have a sub team of Super League triathlon focused athletes, and then we'll have a separate long course or PTO type distance athlete. So I think that's like, that's our business model going forward. And I think that that'll give us a lot more marketability too. So Super glad that you dipped your toes in that water, dude. It's freaking, it's unreal in terms of broadcastability and showing people what the sport has to offer that, like, imagine if there was like super league type triathlons for younger kids instead of like at a pool, all in one thing. It's so easy to replicate. It's just, I think that it's,
0: it will bring a lot more accessibility to our sport. Yeah. Well, essentially awesome. what it is, is it, it's an indoor triathlon. Like we've been doing these for years, right? Yeah. And they just brought it into an arena. I think this is what I believe is that this is what they're going to pitch to add to the Olympic Games is the next step for triathlon. Well, they got eSports already in there. So So I think this is the next logical step. You can't add a half um, because you have to keep the same athletes because you can't add more athletes. So it just makes sense that this is the race that they put forward. Yeah, I like the heats. I like the multiple
2: formats. You could do relays. It's just way more diverse. So, Jack, you had a sick event, and Was uh looked like it was Baltic there outside the arena.
1: Yeah, man, it was a freaking cold front. Like the morning, the morning of the race was minus twenty three, not including wind chill. Oh. Like it was freezing cold. So Celsius, that is. That's like I think that's like I don't even know. Maybe similar in Fahrenheit. I'm not really sure. But um, add thirty and and add remove three and time (laughs) yeah yeah it was cool but it was fun i've never been to montreal before like which was weird but that was that was cool experience for sure but anywho on to focus for oceanside for me so that's that now let's talk about you boys
0: garrick you've had a friggin other injury tell us what's going on buddy my soleus again that's the same thing i i injured in may um man i went through some like mental stuff with this one this time i like originally, we thought it could possibly be sciatica. And that really got to me because I found that there's just like, if it was sciatica, then I found that there's just no accountability there. And it really bummed me out. So I was like, well, it's totally out of my control. Again, just like my hips. Like, is this ever going to stop? And then uh, we got an official diagnosis. And it actually is another, it's actually just a strain of my soleus. And I'm like, okay, I can take accountability for this. Because for me, basically, what happened was, in may of last year when i started getting back into running um you know big boy running i, I had carrying some extra weight and, and maybe i did overdid it when i when i came into it uh injured my soleus tore it at that time and i kept trying to to keep running and it ended up being like a three-month thing uh and <clears throat> we didn't get i didn't get like the proper maybe a proper like rehab program with it and whatnot so what happened is as the tear scarred over, I didn't stretch the soleus. so Calcified. Yeah, well, not quite. But the the scar tissue, well, yeah, essentially the scar tissue isn't as stretchy as the muscle, right? So I went out for my long run on the Saturday and it was icy and stuff. And I just overstretched it. And the first place to tear was the scar tissue that, you know, still fresh. so, So that writes off my entire spring, basically, I was gonna race um, Oceanside, then Texas was gonna be my first full, and then I was gonna go race Gulf Coast. Gonna write those off, hoping to get back for uh, Tromblon, seventy point three, or Quarter Lane in uh, um, in June. So now you we'll... can do Lake Placid with me in July.
2: I didn't even think about that. Yeah, July twenty third. or It's like oh. later July.
1: Maybe let's I just, was
0: leaning towards Canada.
1: Oh, Penticton, yeah. Lauren wants to do that one. That's a great course. So that's
0: let's great. just chill out on the Iron Man stuff for a minute here. Um. Oh yeah, big announcement. Oh, Jack does one Super League event now. We can't talk about Iron Man. No, I mean like Iron Man, like you doing a full, <laughs> You're like. Well, I'm injured and oh. I can't
1: run right now, but I got to plan my next full distance that I haven't done one yet.
2: We got to plan for <laughs> it like it's going to happen because if we don't have these goals that are super crazy and overbearing, we don't
0: have a purpose. Yeah, and True. this is like racing this full. I is just, you know, it's gotten in my head and it's really motivated me. And doing the training the last month is like so much fun. I don't know what it is, but doing just like long, steady intervals I like at the end of them, I feel like rejuvenated. Oh, today you were pushing her pretty good on those.
1: I mean, I had to make up a three minute gap because my frigging trainers <laughs> broken and doesn't connect. And then it disconnects and I have to jam a roll of duct tape under the connection point to push it in the right direction.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am not surprised at all. You've got a rigged up trainer with it. <laughs>
0: I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, so bad put big <laughs> cursing and throwing shit around and finally get it
1: connected i'm like three minutes behind and then it was kind of a blessing in disguise because i james had me doing a pretty easy workout today but like i i feel really fresh and i haven't trained much i only did two heats i didn't even make the final so i'm like screw this i'll just kind of go tempo and work
0: my way back up and uh Cody did eight rounds of it so he's a beast but yeah well i had a pretty big ride on saturday <laughs> i had hour intervals at 75 percent ew so those are brutal man more power to you on the trainer yeah uh we were out in tennessee this is something we could talk about too i went out and did a training camp in tennessee just like a weekend training camp we're there four days which again we had i never knew about any of this
2: at all jack did you know jackson that garrick was going anywhere
1: well he said training camp but i saw on his fucking instagram it's like and so it begins and they're all cheers in a shot or whatever i know but he's not uh, like
2: hey guys just i'll be in tennessee training
1: camp i think it was a drinking camp with training mixed in <laughs>
0: that was that was kombucha oh yeah that has alcohol it was, it was it was a very last second decision we were like okay where can we drive down to and ride and we decided like two days before and we're like all right we'll head down to tennessee so we went to franklin tennessee the riding there so they have the natchez trace there which is sweet it's is um, it Paris or Trace. um trace natchez trace so it's like it's like the blue ridge parkway but not with mountains same idea so it's nicely maintained and stuff but just all the roads over there there's like nobody on the roads and they're rolling hills and they're freshly paved and it was it was awesome man i rode i rode 19 hours in four days and swam 25k in the four days as well It's holy cool. cow yeah Well, will wait until you come out and ride lake mead And want to murder yourself
2: (laughs) because it's going to be the same thing but in the middle of nowhere and freaking i think it's called like hell something nice no it's the valley of fire we're gonna ride through nice so sweet
1: pretty good the reason i keep leaving by the way is because friggin ordered food because snowpocalypse right now my wife is stuck on the 403 hasn't moved in two hours because they're oh, no. like clothes and shit because it's so bad. Um, and so I'm ordering pizza for when she gets home, but anywho, you know how you like can't tell your, you can't tell your partner what to do. So sometimes you like suggest something so that you hope that they'll pick it up as their own idea. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what
0: you're talking about.
1: So like three 30 today, 3:45, I was like, texting my wife and I'm like oh it's snowing a lot here right now like it's really coming down it looks pretty bad and like hint hint leave for work and come home early and work from home well that didn't happen and now she's stuck in traffic for two hours because
2: like you better not traffic. don't bring it up don't even say it
0: <laughs> don't
2: even allude just act that like you act like it was a good thing for your relationship to have this extra two hours to yearn for each other
0: Anyways, yeah. let's let's ask Nick. So, Nick, how is the lactating training going? Uh, yeah, yeah what's your lactose levels at the moment?
2: Well, if you must know, I was supposed to start on Sunday, but I had a bit of a head cold coming back from Oceanside, which I could go on and bitch about that trip for about another you, hour. You're you were at Oceanside? <laughs> yeah, I took a trip, vacation, tried to go do something fun with me and the wife, and it took us nine hours for a six-hour trip. Got Cars racing by us and car chase with police, and cars ran off oh. the road and spike strips everywhere. It was bullshit. And then we arrive and it's like dark and can't park near the establishment. So we had to walk everywhere. Anyways, Aspen didn't pee for nine hours. So I was like, what the <laughs> hell? That's our dog. Um, then the weather was just as bad in Ocean Size as it is here in St. George. And I couldn't train <laughs> outside because I didn't have any of my indoor training gear. So I was like, fuck, we're going home early. Anyways, uh, still some got to see the in-laws, which was actually pretty sick. So that, that worked out nice. Um, and then I got a little bit of a head cold. So I'm gonna start the bike test tomorrow. So bike test is two parts tomorrow and then swim test Thursday and Friday i will be run test. I, last time I did the run test first, I got sick. Um, both Garrick and Jackson have left their screens and I'm talking to no one, this is amazing. Thanks guys. You're talking to thousands of people. Who are- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the testing is uh, I'll let you know next podcast.
0: All right. So what are, what is the protocol for the testing?
2: Um, so the bike protocol is essentially like a step test for the first part where you start kind of like a, a set wattage and you go up uh, for about five minutes. You ride, then you test for two minutes afterwards. And then if the lactate doesn't go up, then you continue to the next step. So it's a lot of building lactate in the system, clearing it out, testing and making sure it doesn't rise. And and eventually the test is going to come to a point where I have to ride as hard as I can, which will be approximately 400 and like 50 to 460 Watts for minutes at a time, as long as I can last, hopefully five minutes. And then Hopefully I can get the lactate above 10 this time. Last time, I think I had a hard time pushing the high, high end. So anyways, then that's part one. And a couple hours later, based on the results, we kind of fine tune it with some other step testing, which is a little bit less aggressive, Um, but it's a, it's a freaking full on hard ass workout. Um, The swimming is the same thing kind of the next day, a lot of six hundreds at varying increases in pace, testing at different intervals to find, you know, your, VLA max and then also as as you've pushed the higher end to see what you can get some capacity work to your VO2. And then the run test, I about died last time. Like I was never so pissed off on the track in my life. I was trying to run like sub 3 minute per k pace after basically killing myself for 1600s at like 3 or yeah, 305 because I couldn't get my blood lactate high enough and I I got sick after that because I was so already sick before that. So anyways, the testings for real Sucks, but it gives good data, and we'll know. Okay, so here, here's the main thing. We tested maybe like eight or twelve weeks ago, and now we'll know based on all the work we've done, which has been like super low key with little bits of sprints, and then also a lot of low, slow volume, like right around like 190 watts to 240 watts, and then running between like I don't know five minutes a k down to 420 per k with a little bit of intervals and then swimming consistently a lot at like one fifteen to one twenty per hundred meter pace. So we'll see if all that slow, slow stuff has improved my VLA max and then all the little bits of sprint stuff has allowed me to reach into my musk my VO2 work a little bit harder so we can raise the ceiling. So that's kind of a theory. Um for anyone who gives a shit.
0: Everyone gives a shit.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. Um But also cooler than that even is I found a buddy who lives like right down the street. Who's been really amped up to film an athlete. And I got like my own bud who's like my own Talbot Cox now. So suck it. He's going to take us to the next level. That's Uh, it. I've
1: been seeing that content. That's been sick, man.
2: Yeah, He's so good. And I'll just like, he filmed me for a full hour on the trainer today. And we set up a little studio
0: and he already put out some madness on That's been the stuff you've been putting out on the TikTok.
2: Yeah, that stuff. And then like all the motivational stuff, but also just yeah. some newer stuff. And I've got my my YouTube video, Top Chasing Top 50,
0: coming out in the next couple of days. Nice. Man, that motivational stuff. When I was <clears throat> building Instagram accounts and selling them back in the day, uh, you just post motivational slogans and like you just get thousands of followers. Um, it was different back in the day. You could hit hashtags a lot better, but, yeah. uh, yeah, that stuff used to be so popular. Can we talk for TikTok. a second about how much TikTok
1: sucks? Like it sucks real bad. It sucks, man. It's so gimmicky. Like all the videos that do well are so gimmicky. Cody's so good at it. I know, it, but the, his best videos get the least views. Well, yeah. Like, but- you see the ones where he's like, when you're a triathlete and you're talking to your single sport athlete friends. Yeah. That one was my favorite one by far, and it got, like, very few views. Yeah, it's very. Niche. And then the ones that are like, I'm a triathlete, and this is
0: how a triathlon works, gets, like, 20 million views. <laughs> I know. That's because triathlon's still super niche on TikTok, and the stuff that's actually funny for triathletes isn't really funny for everybody else. But then when people see you doing stupid stuff, like biking 20 hours in a day, they're like, wow, this is so cool. Yeah. I don't know, but it's just – I might give up on it. We'll see. <laughs>
2: I'm just going to repost everything I already do and see if that works. Um, it won't, you gotta works. make stuff. You gotta make stuff. TikTok specific for it to work. Oh, there's my future. Go one on. of my
1: view, One of my videos has 1264 views. And one of my videos has 45
2: views. <laughs> 45. That's a whopper. And they're probably all me. I'm like, is everybody <laughs> seeing this <thing> anyway? <laughs> Um, so yeah, before we move on to the episode, Garrick has, uh, recorded for us we did also have pto announcement for a new point system which jackson was thankfully and heavily involved in with another bit of committee members um i'll keep talking so jackson can finish chewing and then chime in but ultimately it's new it's improved it's got a new wrapping job on it and it makes sense you can actually talk about it and make mathematical sense about this system so jackson
1: yeah i think uh I think it's a seven out of 10. So pretty good. The old system was like a four. So, you know, it's pretty solid. I'm happy with how it ended up considering you got to keep a bunch of people happy. Um, Obviously a lot of the final decision-making is going to be like the investor board and the athlete board and stuff like that. Uh, But when it comes to how the system actually works, that was pretty much fully decided by us. Um, So I was happy with that. And, yeah, it's just going to reward people for going to more competitive races, higher tier races. Um, we'll see if that's maybe a little bit too aggressive or not. I'm kind of on the fence of whether it's a little bit too valuable going to like the highest tier compared to like tier two or three. Um, did we talk, did you get an answer about that anomaly
2: we had talked about?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I do think it's, there's going to be a little bit of problems for lower ranked people where if you're not getting points from your time and you're not getting points from your place finishing, then all that matters is the strength of field. So since everyone gets the same score for strength of field, regardless of what place you finish, I think it's a little bit of a, it's just going to make like the lower ranked people, their actual performance in the race won't matter. It'll just kind of matter how strong the field was. So We'll see if that ends up being an issue or not. It might be less than I think, but at the same time, it's encouraging those people to go to the more competitive races and it's going to elevate the profile of all these all the, all the high level races are going to just be maxed out. So, um, there's definitely positives and yeah, I think the committee did a pretty good job. Like it took a lot of work. Like we had Thorsten and the other stats guy whose name I always forget, um, (laughs) running, (laughs) running the numbers on like, you know how how it'll actually look so try to tweak the system a little bit run the numbers okay where would people be ranked how would the races look and you know make tweaks based off of that so it was pretty it was a pretty good experience we probably met like 15 times like it was a decent amount of work and i'm glad that it actually because i was like the whole time i was like paranoid that it just wouldn't be implemented and they'd be like nah thanks for the input but we'll just keep it the same and then i'd be like what the hell man we like spent so many hours on this it
2: was like over a year worth of
1: deliberation and yeah yeah it was a lot um jack can you give us a
0: quick summary on what it is
1: yeah so the new system has basically um three main things that determine what your points are so there's the tier of the race um so there's platinum diamond gold silver bronze like Um, my sky miles perfect So there's that, um, platinum being hundred points for the win. Um, and then it trickles down from there. So it's platinum is hundred diamond is, um, 80, maybe diamonds above platinum. Actually. I can't remember, but either way it's 195 then 90 for the top three tiers for like the winning score. And then it goes 80, then 70 for the lower ones. Um, so that determines 40% of your score is like what amount of points you get from the tier and it drops down. So, for the top two tiers, it drops down 2%. So the winner gets 100. And second place gets 98. Third place gets like 96 point whatever. And it drops down that way. And then as the tiers get lower, it drops down by more. So tier three, it drops down by 5%. Ooh. Tier four, it drops down by 8% per place. And tier five, it drops down like 10 or 12% or something. Yeah. Um, so, so it really that just, rewards
2: the high-end races for sure.
1: Big time. So winning... A sorry seventh place in a tier one is approximately worth a win in tier three. Um, wow. so tier three is like regional champs, um, yeah, basically just regional champs, 70.3s, and um, foals. So you know, imagine winning 70.3 St. George regional champs, that's worth about seventh at PTO USO or European Open the same day but that's only one of the categories. The next category is 30% of your score and that's strength of field, which is what I mentioned. It's the same for everyone who races, um, it takes the top yeah. five
2: athletes that are ranked.
1: Yeah. The top five ranked athletes and it averages their ranking. Um, so for a really competitive race, it might be like close to 90, um, about 90 probably for the highest level races. And then, you know, for like a really low, uh, like a independent small prize purse, it, it could be as low as like 30, who knows. Um. So that'll affect things. And then the last part is time component where you take the top five finishing times. Um, that's top five, depending on how many, how many races there are. If there's less racers, they'll take top four or top three or top two. Um, but they take those finishing times and average them. And then they give you either more or less points depending if you beat that time or not. So it's the same drop-offs as the old time system. So it's something like six percent per or six points per one percent. So if you beat the top five average by two percent, you get an additional twelve points for your for your time score. But then that's only thirty percent of your score. So then it's all calculated together. Um, it's a little bit complicated just to like think about mentally, but when you write it all out, it's actually pretty simple math that anybody could do um not anybody but just about anybody and it's actually transparent like you can calculate it after the race make sure it's right see where things came from there's no like magical ait time that nobody knows exactly how it was determined um so people can actually plan and they can figure it out okay i think european open is going to be
2: super good for points i better go there and And is uh, it based off of finishers or starters for which part for the strength of field
1: uh strength of field is based off of starters okay so you you know the top five starters ranked are the ones who count so you can't just dnf to lower the score for everybody else if you're having a bad day kind of thing
0: okay just making sure and they also promise that they're going to update the scores every wednesday so now we don't have to wait two months until there's an important or
2: or whenever it's like one race takes a week and the next three races take about a month and a half. You're like, well, the points don't matter until they matter. Yeah. Oh, exactly.
1: It's like, that was crazy because you've got people doing like two races where they don't know what their scores were yet. And it could determine what their next choice might be. Right. So that's definitely huge. Um, but you can go in and look. So for me, for example, so they recalculated all of last year's rankings based off the new system. Um, I went up like two places total, and my highest score was 70.3 worlds where I was seventh. That was 80, 86 or 87 points. My second highest was Oceanside win was like 80 points. And then my fourth place at the North American champs was something around 79 or 78 points. So really those performances at the higher tier races are super important because I, you know, I would say Oceanside was a better performance, but it wasn't the big, you know, world champs race. So it just wasn't
2: worth a huge amount of points. Crazy though. Like the strength of feel at that race was stellar at Oceanside. Anyways, it's, it is what it is. I think it's better than what it was.
1: Yeah. That's where I think, you know, and, and, and the thing is, it'd be really easy to tweak it to where, you know, next year, if it's like, geez, all that really mattered was a tier one race is like anybody who won, like, Tier threes was getting nothing. So let's tweak it a little bit. Maybe we make tier three like 85 instead of 80, or there's different ways we could do that. So um that would be a lot less work than revamping the whole system, like we had to. So yeah, I'm I'm speculating that maybe this year it'll be a little bit too skewed, but we'll see. Um, it is still if you look at the rankings, they're like, Yeah, I mean, they do seem to add up pretty good, like there's not a whole lot of outliers. Um, you guys both moved up, I believe, on the ranks. I think like five places for me, Garrick moved up like two hundred or
0: something, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, but like <laughs> my, races, my races are all ridiculous, so <laughs> you would have got a decent
1: chunk of points for uh for the one for because you actually get points like for the places you got because you were like not far outside top tens, right? So yeah. you're gonna get places for those positions now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've scored points, like, even with the old system, I scored points with even freaking the one race we did in Mexico where I trained for, like, three weeks. Mexico. <laughs> and, so- uh, yeah, now I, so that would have bumped me up quite a bit, but.
2: So, yeah, it's better. It's better, and I think, uh, no matter what, we'll still bitch about it, just like <laughs> the weather. It'll be warmer in heck in summer, and we'll be bitching about how cold it is in the winter, no matter what, never
0: happy. Um, Garrick, what is today's episode about? So today we have Darcy, who is the CEO of Grupo Nutrition. Uh, it was formerly Infinite Nutrition Canada or Infinite Canada Nutrition. Um, so it's one of the big brands out of Canada. I've been that's been my longest sponsor. So I took the lead on the interview here. Darcy's been helped, been supporting me since I was a junior, and uh, he's yeah he's helped me with my nutrition. So as I've upped my distances, I've never had to really struggle with the nutrition i've always had him to consult with and it's been awesome are uh, they still so custom they have it's a degree of custom it's not as many sliders as before but yeah you can customize it a little bit And he talks about yeah. that
2: okay and, so that's epic continue to focus on nutrition obviously that's the mm-hmm. biggest place where people f it up um a couple other notes too a long time friend of mine and former athlete, I coach Gabriel Harley. He's a good bud. He signed up as a patron. Yeah. Patron on the Patreon system. We have And our Patreon. If you wanted to know, um, we added gear that comes along with it. So if you sign up for a certain amount, you get cups and sweaters and beanies and stuff, and that's all on there for you, RTS branded. So thanks for everyone who's being part of that. And also, you will be entered in for some of our giveaways. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're we're doing bigger things in real tri squad this year specifically, and thanks for support. The podcast goes to the team. Sorry. My dogs are just having a great old time. The support goes to the team and, uh, all of our members, it's trickle down effect trickle down economics.
0: Yeah. Big thank you to like our patrons who stuck around for, um, I know we we started off real strong on Patreon, and we kind of some... gave you nothing for about a year. <laughs> exactly. So we like huge thanks to the guys that supported us throughout that time. And uh, Nick and Adam have really taken the lead on revamping the whole Patreon thing. So we're gonna take much better care of you guys as you guys have been taking care of us.
2: Absolutely. And uh, before we get on another tangent, here's the episode.
0: Do-do-do. All right, so we have Darcy, uh, CEO of Grupo Nutrition. Darcy's been a longtime supporter of me. I think he started sponsoring me when I was a junior, a long time ago. Uh, he was the first. He was the first supporter I ever had. So that's that's really cool. Uh, it's a, it's a a brand with high quality products and located in Windsor. So it's a hometown product for me, and people from southwestern Ontario know we all kind of have a chip on our shoulder just because we're not recognized by the rest of Ontario. People seem to think we're like, they don't even know we exist. So when it's something local, we always support it and, and we love it. Uh, so Darcy, thank, thanks a lot for coming on.
3: Oh, it's great. to great to be on. It's funny. I was trying to, uh, remember when we first, uh, connected and I think it was through, um, the Cotes. Um, uh, so my, uh, my boy Matthew was, uh, carting, uh, along, uh, with Olivier and Anthony. And after a while, Anthony started to talk about this, this triathlete that he knew. And, uh, I think one thing led to another and we, we got to meet and yeah, I was happy to support. Um, I'm a big supporter, um, of local athletes. We support a lot of local athletes and, um, I'm always, if we can help someone be a better athlete, um, uh, we, we love to get that opportunity. So it's always been nice having you in my corner,
0: especially when I switch distances. I know a lot of athletes, they really struggle with that nutrition aspect when they up the distance and stuff and kind of having you there and like sitting down and discussing what to do, what's our plan. I never struggled nutrition wise as I stepped up in distance and, it was just takes a huge, you know, weight off my shoulders, knowing that that's always set.
3: Yeah, it's true. Like, as the longer you go, I think the more nutrition plays a role in it. Um, I I certainly hear, you know, people that do halves, um, the way you do halves, and, uh, you know, Jackson does, and some of the others, like you're, you know, doing it at that four hour mark or below. It's, uh, it's crazy. And I think you can, you know, you can get away with even uh, a half not being optimally hydrated and fueled. Um, but once you step up to the longer distance, uh, Ironman distance, uh, you know, so many times I hear from athletes that I was fine until I got to the run, or I was fine until I got to the end, near the end of that bike. And um, that's just where those symptoms, like if I'm, you know, a little bit dehydrated, um, taking a little bit, uh, maybe not enough in. Uh, every hour starts to catch up to you um, when you get into hour four or hour five. So you're not going to be at your best. So uh, yeah, it's yeah. been cool to watch you go from, you know, the sprint guy to um, the longer distance.
0: Yeah, it's been quite the journey, but you've had quite the journey. And when we get companies coming on the podcast is one thing that we we really like to approach. And that's like company culture. And that starts from the CEO, especially in a, a smaller business where it's not, you know thousands of employees where you're probably seeing most of your employees every day at the the Grupo HQ um and Polar Joe HQ in in Windsor so talk to us about kind of the whole journey of how you got into this industry and how you built what's now Grupo
3: sure um that'll take a little bit but I'll I'll try to uh, not take too much time in doing it um I was a hockey guy as a kid, I uh, played travel hockey, um, got into cycling. I remember buying my first bike, um, from a place called, I think it was called just sports in London. Uh, it was a Nishiki Olympic. Um, uh, maybe I paid 400 bucks for uh, a road bike back then and, uh, have no idea what components were on it, but, uh, uh I lived in East London grew up there and I would take the bike path all the way to Springbank all the time. I'd go there and back and, um, rode the bike, never competitively, but, um, I liked to ride fast as fast as I could. Um, and rode as maybe, you know, a 17 year old to 20 year old. Um, and then I got into, um, when I got married and had, um, you know, my son, um, a friend of mine at Pfizer, I I was in the pharmaceutical industry for the first part of my career. And um, he was into mountain biking. And this was was like, I had no idea what mountain biking was. And uh, I remember we had this conversation about he wanted me to get into it. And I was looking at bikes. And he said, I I said, Well, I think I want to get a hybrid because I really like road biking. And, you know, I want to try this mountain bike thing. And I remember he said something like, uh, or actually, we took it to our QC manager there. He said, "Well, Dars, it sounds like a compromise. Either way, you're not getting a real mountain bike, and you're not getting a real road bike. You know what are you doing?" So, <laughs> luckily, I decided on a mountain bike. Um, I loved mountain biking. I raced, not raced, but uh, I did a couple 24-hour relays and stuff. But uh, I think that's where I really caught the bug for, you know, endurance. Uh, sports, uh, cycling, and and that thing. I, From mountain biking, I went into uh, an Xterra uh, event, uh, actually across the border here at Silver Lake um, in Pickney, and I got into a race that I had no business being in. You know, if you call a race director and say, "Hey, is this race right for me?" They're probably going to tell you yes because it's another entry. I didn't know the game then, but I remember. Uh, signing or going in registering the day before and there was all these chiseled bodies I'd never seen anything like it and it uh, scared the crap out of me Um, second last out of the water because I never swam open water until that day Um, it's easy to find your bike Uh, and it was uh, you know once I got on the bike I was fine and you know I had a decent run and what I did on that day was catch this bug for triathlon and from that moment forward um i was uh, you know looking uh so the very next year i did i committed to a half uh, was up in ottawa i did my first road triathlon here in windsor it was when it was uh you know at sandpoint and got all kinds of barnacles stuck in my feet um and ran on those uh which was interesting but uh um had a good experience did my half and then the next year was the plan to do my first uh you know full I think that was in 2002 and um back then I don't think information flowed the way it does today um there was no Facebook there was no you know social media like we have um there was this you know triathlon forum slow twitch which still exists today it's a great forum um and I you know I kind of learned some there but um you know, I, I did my first, it was a bit of a slap in the face. Um, you know, you go and do this big event. You don't really know what happened. I remember I had, this is the visual for you. I had power bars, chocolate power bars stuck to the top of the t- my top tube on my bike. That's awesome. how I approach my nutrition, that and water, um, you know, trying to breathe while you eat a, a power bar it doesn't work so well. So, um, the next year, um, you know, I, I think I got down to 12 hours in the second year. Then the next year was 1129. And um, by that time, nutrition was holding me back. Like I knew I was using uh hammer does a, a good, good job with nutrition. Um, I was using a couple of their products. I was using sustained energy, Perpetuum. And I think I was using hammer gel. And um, I just found when I got to the, the, the tail end of this, or maybe the last, uh, half of the second loop. I always did late Placid. I was struggling on taking in what I thought I needed to take in. Like, you know, it was just, wasn't going down freely. Um, and then I, I started looking back on slow Twitch and like, well, what do people do? You know, I, I was all liquids. I thought it was the right way to get the most calories in, um, on slow Twitch. They were starting to talk about this company called infinite nutrition and, um, the concept seemed to work for me. Um, they were getting a lot of praise. So I ordered my first uh, product from them. I used it uh, solidly for my 2005 race. Um, I had a a, a great race uh, in 2005. And then again in 2006, I used it. Um, and uh, it was really as a customer, I got to know the brand Infinite um, through a customer service uh, snafu that, I ended up meeting uh, them I can you imagine you you've trained on your nutrition for an entire year it's all you know and then your product doesn't arrive so I was a little bit panicked and I remember I called uh, them and said hey um, I don't have my nutrition my race is in two weeks I said calm down it's okay we're gonna be at the uh, the Expo uh, in Lake Placid we'll bring uh, we'll bring the nutrition with us uh, are you sure yes so, they just said, "Come to the expo." So I met them. Um, and I honestly don't know what happened, um, because I was happily in the pharmaceutical industry here. I came to Windsor for um, a role at a soft gelatin um, manufacturing plant. I was a production manager. Maybe then I evolved to a director, but uh, I was happy. Um, you know, i had I made more money than I needed. Um, you know, I never really thought about money um was enjoying triathlon um you know and but something that we uttered you know then was like i i just thought wow it would be so cool to make my livelihood um in a world that i love like you know being surrounded by sport and helping people uh in that space uh so it was a little bit um you know maybe i romanticized about it a little bit and that's what you know kind of got me into it so Um, We had breakfast right after the race in 2006, and uh, by November, we opened our doors um, as Infinite Nutrition Canada. So um, I, um, we grew the business, we had some, uh, I think we had some lucky breaks, like some of the people that contacted us, Um, I think the sporting community is pretty small. Um, we were contacted by a sport dietitian at the Canadian Sport Institute. Um, they work with our high-performance athletes um, out west, so rowers, rugby, uh, some triathlon, athletics. And, um, yeah, they called us looking for help uh, for nutrition for their athletes, for recovery, uh, and it had to be clean. Uh, so that was in 2008. Uh, we came up with a program that uh, Meets, met the needs of the athletes from being safe and the right product, uh, met the needs for the the organization, and it was still good for us. And that process still goes on today. So um, we we learned so much working alongside of Canadian Sport Institute because we get to interact with their athletes, their um, dietitians, sport nutritionists, their physiologists. So everything we've learned from those relationships, we've been able to build back into – the products that we we offer you know all the the athletes that we get to work with so uh pretty cool um and we just kind of went along our way um you know trying to do things right um you know we listen you know, you talk about values earlier um uh, I love doing consults I love interacting with the athlete I bring a little bit of experience from an athlete I've gained some knowledge about nutrition and when I get to interact with an athlete um, that's like that's the fun part um you know so um that keeps you know i keep learning i did two consults earlier today today um i i will always do those so no matter what happens with this brand i will continue to have some time set aside to work directly with the athletes because um that's the thing that i love doing and it's where i continue to learn um you know because i think that we're you know we're always capable of learning something and then you can apply that to the next customer that you get to interact with. Um, so yeah, um, the business kept on going, um, in 2017, we created a product that was not really for, um, triathlon or endurance sports. It was more of a fun way to get uh, protein in your diet. It was, it's an iced coffee, uh, protein, iced coffee, Uh, And as soon as we did that, then we started to, um, our business doubled almost overnight. Um, But it opened us up to a whole other population. So people that maybe didn't identify as an athlete, but needed to get the right amount of protein in their diet. And uh, uh, that's gone, you know, really well. And then we reached a point where uh, we just talked to the folks in the States uh, at Infinite. And we came to a point like... Uh, I think we see the world a little bit differently. And it's not to say that um, the way they see it's uh, wrong um, or the way we see it's wrong. It's just that we grew to a place where we felt like we were better uh, to go our own ways. And so we made a decision to do that in uh, July of 2021. And then we worked really hard over the next eight months uh, to be ready to launch. uh, And we launched last March. So we're not even a year. We're almost, we're coming up on a year as... Grupo Nutrition, uh, our own entity. And uh, while we, uh, when we launched Grupo, we decided that we wanted to have a separate brand for the coffee-based products, because um, I I think we've all seen the eye roll, um, you know, when someone's talking too much about, and maybe what I'm doing now, but talks too much about their sport. Unless you're right into the sport, you don't want to hear that. So, Polar Joe is a place where um, you don't have to be an athlete. You feel at home. There's no athletic jargon. You can come in and get your, uh, you know, protein coffee. And uh, that's why Polar Joe was created. So I think that kind of defines where we are now. Um, it's been a great launch, nice. uh, relaunch, if you will. Um, so things are going uh, super well, you know, so it's good. Good. Yeah. Uh,
0: the Polar Joe, I mean, that was a game changer thing for everyone just as an athlete you know waking up like getting enough protein is such a struggle all the time and being able to just wake up in the morning have your coffee and your protein together is great uh i start using it in my overnight oats so i'll yeah. put it in there and that makes it way quicker uh and that way i'm just a little more full for when i get to my workouts yeah and um i feel like i hold on to my breakfast just a bit better And, but even then, like now, uh, three days a week, you know, I'm commuting to work, so I'm waking up decently early, but I like to sleep in as much as I can to sleep as much as I can. And that can, if I don't have a morning, even if I have a morning session, I'll I'll drink that on the way to work and I'll just have that with a couple granola bars or something like that. And that's my breakfast.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't, um, I, I don't think that you should ever skip, uh, protein at breakfast. Um, and you know, you describe them, you know, a busy morning, I've got the same thing. I'm, you know, I get up just in time, if you will. So I, I want to ride my bike before I start work, then go do a yoga session after that. Um, so getting up at either five or six, uh, I don't want to get up half an hour earlier so that I can get something else in me. So I usually reach, you know, for something similar. So it's quick and it sits well. Um, yeah. So it was never intended to be, uh, for sports nutrition or supportive of it, but it certainly has been. And we've got lots of people that use it, uh, you know, for recovery, they use it, you know, just before they're getting on a bike and even, uh, you know, multi-day or, you know, 24 hour guys and, and gals will use it, uh, during the race. Um, cause it's, you know, it's a whack of protein that sits well. Um, so yeah. Even a morning session for recovery.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's kind of come back to you here. Did you have any moments in your sporting career, whether it's triathlon or um, I know you do some epic rides. Like right now, I know you're focused on riding quite a bit that you found that you like translated into the business. You're like, ah, this is really affecting
3: my work life or something like that. Like something to do with the company. Yeah. Um that's a good question and i i'd say it wasn't a great experience at the time um but it it's it's the most valuable lesson that that i learned um in ironman and i use it um almost every time i interact with a, a new athlete even if i am working with someone that i you know have worked with a little bit we check on on this on hydration so um in um 2005 i went um uh, Uh, 1045 uh, that was my plan uh, to hit 1045 I was really happy with the outcome it was a big step for me because I went 1129 the year before and I was really gunning for this 1045 I got it and then the next year I felt like if I put the work in um, I could you know maybe compete for you know that that spot and go to Kona And I felt like um, I put a really solid uh, year in. I worked with uh, Richard Patey. You may know Richard, um, great guy. Uh, He coached me probably for four years, maybe five. And I was ready. Uh, All my numbers were, you know, really good. And I felt fit. I went in, you know, nice and lean, not too lean. And um, I screwed up uh, not on my nutrition, but on my hydration. I took, um, a bottle an hour. I'm, I'm meticulous with this stuff. Mm -hmm. I took exactly what I had planned uh, to take uh, a bottle every single hour. And, um, I was pushing more wattage and, you know, more power than I, I was in the previous year. And what was happening is every hour that went by, I was getting a little bit more dehydrated. Um, And by the time I got to the bike, I was, you know, really dehydrated. I remember getting off the bike. You know what it's like when you, you know, you make that transition, you get off the bike, the the legs are a little bit, uh, heavy, but I had done probably 10, you know, 12 bricks, you know, some mini bricks, but I got really comfortable running off the bike and my legs just, they just weren't there. It's like, what's going on. And think back then I had a polar heart rate monitor and, uh, um polar watch and looking down at my pace and it was you know I was supposed to be running 730s uh, I'm not a super fast guy but um you know was hoping to go 730s and the very first mile was 755 and that's not good if you're 25 seconds off and the next mile it got bigger and it just it just kept on creeping up and it felt like I had this um big blanket, heavy blanket on me. My, my perceived effort was high, but the data that was coming, you know, from my pace was, it wasn't what I was looking uh, to do. And I ran the whole thing. Um, I was really proud that I, I ran the whole thing, but um, what ended up happening is I ran a four hour uh, marathon. Uh, So I was about, you know, I expected i had a 330 in me i was trained to go 330 in an ironman and uh i i was really off like i remember the the picture of me afterwards my eyes are like sunk into my head um and i went to i i quickly got into my dry clothes and then I went to, you know, where they have all the food and I see these people celebrating eating pizza and some are eating, you know, drinking more Gatorade or whatever they're drinking. And like, and I'm just off, like I'm nauseous, uh, you know, I, and I, I grabbed some food as if I was going to eat and I went up against the tent and the next thing, you know, um, they're waking me up in the med tent. I completely lost consciousness, um, uh, it was a scary thing because I remember all these red they had red t-shirts on that year and uh, they're shaking me and trying to bring me to um, you know in the mash unit have you been in the med tent before
0: uh, once yeah
3: yeah so it's like a big mash unit I don't know if your listeners would know what that is but yeah the show um, they they still yeah. on
0: that show quite a bit yeah, yeah.
3: so these, these cots that you're on so they wake me up and they kind of get me too and when when we got a weight, um, I had gone from 172 pounds at the start to 162, so I lost 10 pounds during the race. Wow! And I thought, like, how is that possible? So, you know, I dealt with that, um, dealt with the disappointment. I was a little bit demoralized, you know, that that had gone wrong. But I was like really curious. I'm a scientist. I'm like, well, how did this go so wrong? Um, so I started doing some research and finding out how to really know what your fluid loss rate is. And uh, what I found out is that if you really carefully weigh yourself, and I hear all the time people say, oh yeah, I weigh myself, I lost two pounds. or, But if you really carefully weigh yourself, and what I mean by careful is you get on a digital scale, you've got no clothes on, uh, you urinate before you take both weights, you have your starting weight, your end weight, what you took in, in Like if it's all liquid, it's easy, right? Four bottles of Grupo, that's 2,400 mils. Um, so you put that into the spreadsheet, it calculates the difference between those two weights and then divides by the amount of time that you're out there. Now you've got this fluid loss rate that's um, indicative of the weather conditions that you just, you know, experience, because obviously if it's hot, your sweat response is going to be higher than, you know, if it was a cooler day. Same thing, if you're pushing a little bit more power, sweat rate is gonna be higher. So um, you now have this data. Um, And what I found out when I did it um, is I was losing 1200 mils per hour uh, for the way I would do, um, you know, the Ironman bike. And if I was only taking a bottle an hour, 600 mils, if you run through the math, um, it's almost exactly 10 pounds. Like it's, you know, so, It was this huge um epiphany and uh, you know it's the best thing that happened to me uh in this business um it was a bad day um bad but um i wouldn't trade it for anything because i gained that knowledge Um, and i apply that knowledge personally like um you know you said i do a lot of long cycling but um i'll do 24 hour i'll do multi-day uh events um I will always be hydrated, um, and I got to a point where um, it's never annoying for me to have to go to the washroom to urinate. Like I celebrate, like I, I want to go every hour and a half because if if I'm going at that rate, I know that I'm reasonably hydrated, and uh, that lesson served me so well. And that's kind of where I start every conversation um, with a new client is uh, is there because uh, if you don't get it right. It doesn't matter what, you know, nutrients you take in. If you don't have enough fluid, um, to really get those, uh, nutrients in plus hydrate you so that your blood volume is correct and your muscles are firing the way you want them to, um, you're not going to, not going to be at your potential for sure. So is that where the osmolality comes in? Exactly. Um, it's, it's related. So, um, what I, you know, I'll say it all starts with hydration. So once I determine, um, with an athlete, what their fluid loss, um, needs are. So let's use me as an example. If, if I'm losing 1200 mils, um, for the conditions that I'm going to race in, uh, then I want to take about 75% of that number in. So if 1200 mils, I lose, I'm going to take 900 mils, which is 75% uh, to stay reasonably hydrated. And I always want, I say that I want you to be in the ballpark. Um, Our body has a buffering capacity. We can be a little bit light on calories, a little bit light on sodium, even a little bit light on fluids. Like we've seen many great racers perform while dehydrated. It's about riding that line, not getting too dehydrated. So um, if you know that, for me I have 900 mils to work with I then can only put enough nutrition in that uh, that is going to be a safe concentration and the constant the measure of concentration is osmolality Um, you want to make sure that whatever is in the liquid that you're going to take in is a low enough concentration that it empties freely from your stomach Uh, that's called gastric emptying and if you get it to flow from your stomach um, then you're golden so First of all, maximize, like know how much fluid you have to take and you want to take in as much as you need to stay reasonably hydrated and then pack that with the calories um, that will safely empty from your stomach.
0: Nice. Um, I think that's funny because a lot of not, sorry, it's not funny, but a lot of nutrition companies now, that's their big thing is they're like, well, our carbs help with gastric emptying. Or something like that. Uh, they're like we get digested in the intestines, but it's is really everyone's. You read the ingredients, and it seems like a lot of people. This is like a gel company thing, especially, and it mm-hmm. seems like they all use the same ingredients, it's the same sugars. Sometimes it's different. Yeah, um, yeah, like different concentrations of stuff. How with Grupo can you adjust that osmolality as an athlete to figure it out? Because most companies, it's just that's what it is.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you that um, we actually don't really um, allow an athlete to move um, like, you know, the concentration of the drink. So we have a little bit different philosophy. So every one of our blends that we make, um, you know, that are intended to be taken while you're you're active, while you're at heart rate, are at a correct osmolality. They are something that your body can... Um, you know, you ingest it and it freely empties from your stomach. So there's no delay in gastric emptying. Um, we do have, um, we call it group O pro, and then we allow an athlete to pick, um, based on their weight, the duration that they're out there. If they're, um, if they want a little bit more sodium in their diet, um, or in their, in their drink and all of that still happens at a correct osmolality so you can't go wrong we're never going to give you something that's above the concentration that will empty from your stomach because i think we've you've probably been there have you been there where you know yes. you're running along and you feel that sloshing around you can actually hear it in your stomach where stuff is just stopped um and sometimes that happens when you know if you take you can take a sports drink and on its own that sports drink is a great product. Um, but then you throw a gel on top of it or a little bit of salt. Um, The mentality sometimes is more is better. But if I put that gel and that salt on top of the sports drink, and there's not enough room, you know, from an osmolality standpoint, then that's just going to sit in my stomach. So um yeah, it's, I don't know if that answers the question or not.
0: Yeah, my, maybe the question wasn't, wasn't super clear. I was, I was just trying to clarify like osmolality for athletes for a lot of people who really haven't heard it before
3: yeah osmolality i mean there's osmolality leads to gastric emptying um so if i have a drink at the right concentration at the right osmolality it will freely empty from your stomach um and uh, i would say the first rule for proper sports nutrition is be hydrated the next best thing is the you know the concentration of your drink, the osmolality, and then once you get it out of your gut, um, you want to make sure that those calories that you've taken in are in the com in the right um, proportions of simple carbohydrates and more complex carbohydrates, so that your body can actually ingest them once they go across the small intestine into your blood bloodstream, because your body only has so many um, receptors for simple sugar. As an example, and you, I think that I don't know if the science uh, has evolved a little bit, but generally the science has said over the last few years that the maximum amount of simple sugars that you can ingest is about 30 grams per hour. Um, if you introduce um, another carbohydrate like um, that uses a different transport, um, the rates can be different. So maltodextrin, you can absorb about 60 grams Um per hour, um, you know, once it's in your system. So that way you can get to 90 grams, uh, you know, per hour safely, um, it's gonna be easy to do. Um, and there's even some literature that's suggesting that you can go beyond that. Um, you know, you see some people up in the hundred, I think Chrissy Wellington uh, kind of broke the, everybody's uh, mindset on that. Cause I think she was getting in the, around 105, 110. Um, But I generally recommend a little bit lower. Um, I like to be around 90. Um, And, you know, sometimes getting to 90, you have to train your gut a little bit. It just doesn't happen the first time. You actually have to step up to get to that place where you can, you know, take on those sorts of calories. Yeah, we're starting to see a lot of guys like push that. I know in Kona
0: this year, we don't know what the Norwegians are taking in, but there are some guys uh, that we're at the front of the race that are up in the one twenties now. Yeah. Grams per hour. I know for me, like, that's the thing I've been training my gut. I was a notorious puker when I was in the sprint race. I I'd throw up all the time. Even if I, yeah. didn't. This. I was the guy that threw up, um, even sometimes in the race. Yeah. And so I've been building up, uh, trying to get to that 90, I'm mean, about 90 grams now. Yeah. Just like slowly building up. And one thing that I learned uh, and that I kind of had to be told was that a soft gut isn't an excuse. It's just poor preparation. So it doesn't happen overnight, like you said, but yeah. it takes a long time. Like for me, it took years to build it up, right?
3: Yeah, we did a a, a webinar a couple, couple months ago. We were heading into, you know, the indoor riding season. And I remember I had a picture of uh, Joey Chestnut. Um, do you know who that is? Yes, I know who that is so it's kind of tongue in cheek, but, um, Joey Chestnut, you know, he, I think he still owns the record for the most hot dogs, uh, in a 10 minute time period. Um, I think it's, it's in the seventies, maybe it's, it's ridiculous, but he didn't get there. Like, you know, right off the bat, like he didn't sit down and eat 50 right out of the, you know, he built up to that and he trained his gut. And there's some researchers that use that analogy of Joey Chestnut that you, you know, there is a mechanism where you can train it, uh, to take on more and, um, you know, learning to be a little bit uncomfortable while you're taking on more, um, uh, I think is, can yield some, you know, some big, big dividends because the whole race, the whole like Ironman is it's it's an interesting beast. And many of your um, listeners will be maybe more like myself where they're not gonna be, you know, they're not a pro, they're not, you know, at the front. Um, and what, for those people, I think, you know, the race is more about um, what you're trying to do is conserve energy um, through the bike, the swim, uh, sorry, the swim, the bike, and the first half marathon, um, you're conserving energy and trying to nourish your body the best you can so that you can go out and run the fastest half marathon that's possible at that point. And the people that run the fastest half marathon at that point are going to have the race that's closest to their potential, not limited by nutrition. Um, so uh, it is a little bit of a conservation game. Um, I know that the Norwegians and, you know, you know, folks like Lionel and, you know, you know, they they do a little bit different, you know, uh, in in that race than um, a lot of us do.
0: Yeah, when you're a pro, you're for an Ironman, like you're planning your nutrition strictly because you're racing between what's now seven and a half hours and eight and a half, depending on the course. So you hit that time frame, if you're outside of that time frame. Like your day is over. So you're yes. just yep. cruising in where the average athlete that's finishing, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 hours, they can be a half hour off of schedule. So your nutrition plan isn't as rigid. Yeah. Right. So you, you I don't just-
3: know if it's, I, I don't know if it's any different. Um, You know, I think you have to have a nutrition plan to meet the goals uh, that you have um, you know, for, for your race. And like, um, I always, I, I really encourage people not to try to do more in a race than you've demonstrated you can do in training. Um, because remember we were talking about the fluid loss rate. Um, if I go and I try to push 10% more power, even 5% more power on the bike portion, now I'm messing up with my fluid loss rate and I'm going to get more dehydrated if I was taking the same amount of, you know, fluids in. So it's really important to stick to the plan as tough as that is. Sometimes just stick to the plan. Um, If you've got it left for the last then go for it. Um, But uh, early on, it's about uh, conservation and sticking to the plan. So I
0: guess that leads us into this. A lot of people talk about, yeah, use your nutrition, practice with your nutrition, but what, does it like, what does a game plan for nutrition look like in Ironman? So if you were about to do an Ironman or I was about to do an Ironman, how, what exactly should be the game plan? How am I getting in as many grupo carbs as I can, like carbs from that as I can, as opposed to being stuck and maybe, or not being stuck, but, you know, combining maybe with what's on course yeah, or something like that.
3: Yeah, I think, um, you know, you have to um, know that your plan uh, works. Uh, So your nutrition plan is repeated, you know, over and over again in your training. Um, So you're demonstrating there's a little bit of training in the gut that's happening, but you're demonstrating that you can take on a certain amount of calories uh, every hour. And if you're doing five hour rides, you're doing seven hour bricks, if you're doing some really long stuff, um, those are really key workouts. And what you learn and you know you solidify as your um you know nutrition plan then is what you apply to the race Um, i would say that uh, liquids um, are going to be the best way to get the most calories in Um, it's something that i learned uh, a long time ago um, liquids are a little bit safer because you can have, um, you can know that the concentration of that drink is at a level that's going to freely empty from your stomach. Um, so if you go to the beginning of the, you know, the day, um, you know, if it's a 7am start up at five, um, you know, some oatmeal, some, you know, simple carbs, a couple, you know, things of oatmeal and maybe a bagel, um, not a lot of fat, maybe some peanut butter, uh, you know, and then you're going to sip on, uh, Probably some sports drink um, all the way through. Um, you wanna, I would have a coffee. I'm, I'm a big fan of having a good stiff cup of coffee before exercise. I think it's, uh, it can be really helpful. Um, And then you know while you're going through all the race prep, um, you know getting to the start, getting rid of your transition bags, um, you know special needs bags, um, body marking, all of that, you continue to sip on you know fluids. Um, when you get into the water, um, you probably have to urinate. You're in a good place to urinate and I'll let it go. Um, and just before I would go in the water, I would always take on about a half a bottle of my sports nutrition at that point. So, and it would be the same blend that I was planning on using, uh, all the way through. So, um, whether I was using ride, um, you know, for, um, for it, or if I was using something like group O pro, um, that's what I would uh, take in. So, um, probably a blend that's between 250 and 290 calories, uh, per, per serve. And, uh, yeah, you get off the bike, uh, or sorry, out of the swim, uh, your heart rate is racing. Um, that's not a time to take on calories. So my coach was really good at informing me, Richard, um, you know, just clear waters through transition. Um, it, you know, it's, you're, your calories aren't going to really move if you take them in. So water is probably best in T1. And then, um, you know, once you settle in on the bike, every 15 minutes um, is, you know, when you should be taking your nutrition. So I was pretty anal with it. Um, I would have my bottles marked. Um, I would always super concentrate my blend because, of course, there's lots of, if you want to carry your own nutrition, um, you know, what you're used to and what you really like, if you concentrate it, um, I would have mine four, four and a half times concentrated, and then I would pick up water uh, as I would go. So um, I would have in my front aero bottle clear water and two bike uh, bottles off the back. And I had enough in those two bottles, nine servings to get me around uh, the bike portion. Uh, so I would just, every 15 minutes, uh, I would take that drink, chase it with water uh, that I would continue to augment with from the aid stations, um, And I really like to get up out of the saddle. Um, So I wasn't racing for this sort of speed that you guys do. Um, What I would do is I would uh, stand, um, you know, out of the saddle just for about 20 seconds, just to loosen my hips, different position, give everything a break. Um, And then that made it all into 15 minute segments. Uh, So I was never looking beyond the next 15 minute segment. I was just looking forward to that next 15 minute. I get to drink, I stand, and then I just kept on repeating that. Um, You know, so my target was about 400 calories an hour. Um, You know, so again, that was to concentration and my hydration levels, uh, what I needed to stay reasonably hydrated uh, and then just, kind of repeat that process. Um, when I got to the run, I would, uh, take protein out of the blend. Um, I didn't run with protein in my blend. Um, I like people to run in training with protein in their blend, um, because I think it's really good for your recovery. Um, but in the, you know, in an Ironman, you're not so much worried about recovery because you're going to hurt tomorrow anyway. Um, just, you know, whatever gets you through, um, the best, you know, with your stomach feeling the way you want it to. So I would drop um the protein, um, and again, I would have two flasks uh, that were super concentrated, like eight ounce fuel belts or fuel bottles in the small of my back. And yeah, I would just as I approached an aid station, I would take on uh, the required amount and then I would just chase it with water. Uh, and each it was no longer a twenty. it wasn't a marathon it was 26, one mile, uh, you know, efforts. Yeah. And I always looked at it like that. So that's how I would approach it.
0: I like it. You dropped some pretty good nuggets in there, um, with the 15 minutes. And that's a good way to like, not only hydrate, but and fuel, but to break up the Ironman and just how long that day is. So that's actually good. I'm doing my first, supposed to be doing my first Ironman in Texas this year,
3: yep. um, April 22nd. So, that's a good nugget that I just got right there. Um, yeah. And set your alarm. Like, um, yeah. so, you know, our watches all have an alarm function. So every 15 minutes that that timer would go off and it, it made, made, made me, um, you know, it just made certain that I was, you know, not you know going half an hour. Cause you can just lose it in thought, right. You know, if, you know, there's a few people around and, you know, if it's a climb, um, when that goes off, you take it in and um consistency kills. So
0: yeah. Um and I think the super concentrated bottle, I did that for my first couple halves, but I had trouble kind of hitting the the right concentration with the water after it. Yeah. So I, I switched from one like double concentrated bottle to just two regular concentrated bottles, and I found yeah. it helped help quite a bit because. Um, at the end of the day, I'm only biking about two hours and a half. So it's not the same. It depends,
3: right? Um, if I'm doing, uh, the last time I'm in, I did was a flat, um, you know, it was Florida. Um, and I wasn't worried about weight. Um, I wasn't worried about lugging it up. So I just took on, uh, I took four bottles out with me. Um, you know, had, uh, you know, the arrow bottle, uh, one on my down tube, Bikes look a little bit different than when you know, I was going at it, but, uh, you know, and then I just picked up, uh, more, uh, at special needs and I didn't mind the, you know, minute it took me to stop and, you know, change bottles out. Um, but, uh, yeah, if I'm climbing, uh, I want concentrated.
0: Yeah. And that's something I'm going to have to probably test in training now leading into that. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, I want to be you know, a little courteous with your time here, but in terms of being an entrepreneur, being a CEO, is there kind of like any suggestions you could give to us or any piece of advice?
3: Um, you know, I, I I still struggle to, uh, set my intention as I have, um, in, in sport. So, I. I had a lesson, you know, in 2, you know, in 2005 I did my 10 uh, 45 and that was it was a huge day for me and I remember when I talked to Richard Patey I said, you know, after 2004 I went 1129. I said I want to go 1045 next year. He paused a little bit and I don't think he was not believing that I could do it. but He just wanted to make sure that I was ready for it. I remember what I did is um, I was committed to 1045 and I I plastered 1045. I had these three um, eight and a half by 11 sheets, had 1045 at the top, and then it had uh, the bullet points, the things that I would have to do. I'd have to get the right amount of sleep. I'd have to be well hydrated, have to put the training in. It was like probably 12 bullet points. It was in the bathroom, and I know I annoyed my wife, Bren. Uh, there it was. There it was in the kitchen, and it was downstairs in my training room. So when I was on the computer trainer, I could see it, and uh, so I would see this all the time. And every night that I went to bed, um, I went to bed envisioning that I was gonna be ten forty-five. I was gonna, I was gonna hit ten forty-five. So I'd go through the swim, I'd go through the bike. And then I saw myself finishing at 10.45. And uh, so I get to the race. I have a decent swim. I'm not a fast swimmer, a middle pack, um, which makes it nice because you get to pass a lot of people on the bike um, <laughs> and it's motivating. Um, but it was funny. I was coming out of T1 and I'm looking for my data. Um, you know, I'm looking down and I'm not getting any speed. I'm like, what's going on? And I realized that I did not uh, transfer my wheel magnet because that's what we did back then to my race wheels. Oh, no. So I had zero data. So now I'm like, oh, and I I was just coming up on the ski jump at uh, Placid and I was laughing at myself and it it was just comical. And I'm like, okay, you're trained to do this. Just ride it by feel. And I almost got got superstitious. I did not want to know any data now. So I do the first loop um, and as you kind of get back around Mirror Lake, there's always a sign and it tells you the time, you know, the running time. And I was like, you know, I don't want to see that. Like, (laughs) la, la, la. I don't want to see it. And so I do that. I do my loop, just race on feel, come around again. Don't look at the time. And I remember the announcer when I came out of T2, he says, these are your top 100 uh, racers. And I'm like, Wow, that that that's, that that's sounds good because like 2,200 people, I, whoa, I was happy with that. But I still wouldn't look at the clock. So I run my run. And at the end, um, my son uh, would always join me on the, you know, back then they allowed that at Lake Placid. So he'd yeah. come out and we'd run the loop, uh, the last part of the loop, the ice skate, um, the track they have. And he, he yells at me. He says, dad, come on, come on. We can still hit your goal. And we look and it's, it's probably only 50 meters. And the clock said 1044.49. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? And we ran across and my official time on the day was 1045.00. Zero, zero wow. To the second. Now, you know, like, and how can that be? Um, And I did not have any data, um, the whole thing, I just, I had rehearsed it so many times, I think it just kind of took over. Um, And for me, setting intention in in no matter what we do in life is so important. um, So that, you know, you have built into your subconscious what you want to do for when we're not thinking, your subconscious takes over and helps you get to those things that we say and we rehearse as being important. So uh, I try to do a better job in my work. Um, I've never come up with an example as concrete as that, but it's something, it is that example that tells me that setting intention is so important in our life. So that's what I would say.
0: That's awesome. I love that story. That's, that's a great story to end on. Um, thanks for coming
3: on Darcy. No problem. I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, uh, you know, I was thinking about coming on and I was like, I couldn't believe how long it's been since, uh, you know, we've been working together. So uh, it's a pleasure to see you evolve. And um, I know we didn't get a a chance. I never really got to interact much with Jackson, but uh, have watched him grow as an athlete. And, you know, seeing him win Oceanside last year was super cool. And uh, so, yeah, lots of lots of great things going on.
0: Yeah, hopefully he wins it again this year. It's uh there's a lot of people coming for him, gunning for him this year. It's right. gonna be a really competitive race. But I'll be excited to watch that. So.
3: All right. Thanks. Uh thanks for having me on. It's a great opportunity. I'm happy to be involved. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky
1: in
2: my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruz on a one-man mission, trying to see it through.